Looking back at how our life as Team K naturally began to pull others into our family's rhythms, I'm reminded how similar now life is in a missional community or life is as an oikos, our community on mission, is to that. And we realize it's really the same. So even when we move to a new neighborhood, what do we do? We start sending the family rhythms outward to more and more people. And some of them are believers and some are not yet believers, but we're discipling everyone from unbelief to belief. And that's for us too. And some people are being discipled to trusting Jesus with more and more of their life and his lordship. But we're doing all of this as a family. Tina and I, with our grown children now, their kids, which are our grandkids, some parents, siblings, people of peace and friends, our extended family together on mission. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, good to be back with you. Awesome. Glad you're here. As always, I hope you've had an amazing weekend and you're this love and life, everything is going exactly as you hoped it would. Uh, no, I'm joking. But I hope you have had a pretty good weekend and all. Your week is starting off pretty well. Our weekend was great. I finally, I got to take a deep breath. I got to rest a little bit from all of the craziness that is when we do online workshops and training. But uh, yeah, we're what a blast. What a blast that was. Uh, I, I hate to say this almost because I might jinx things, but like, I feel like it's almost starting to feel like spring around here. I know it's just the beginning of February here, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the sun is out, but you know, there's probably more to go, but it's starting to feel a little spring. Like, Hey, recently Tina sat down with me and we talked about how our family became really a family and mission, how team K was born. Maybe you've heard us talk a little bit about that before on the podcast and how that started to shape how we saw discipleship and the you know rings of relationship moving out from our family out from team k and all of that and we did did that it ended up being two parts and it it was so good and it was so well received i decided i wanted to share that with you so today's episode is going to be sort of the first half of that talk and i think you're going to love it and i i really want you to if you have a family <laughs> or you are part of a family or you know a family, this is for you. It really is. Now, some of what we're going to talk about is when our kids were little. Some of it's going to be talking about when they were teenagers. Some of it's going to be when they have already moved out, like now. They don't live with us. So wherever you're at in this age and stage of life, you can gain from this because really the the you'll hear us talk about it. The core of our family life is central to how we build out discipleship communities, missional communities, uh, oikos, right? Extended households. So I want you to hear that. Now, I'm going to give you a little heads up. Because we were recording this sitting next to each other, you know, uh, live going through into Facebook, the recording quality 
in the interview is not like this, like, you know, sitting here in the studio with, you know, my face in a microphone, but it's clear, it's clean. It's just going to sound, you know, like we're two of us a little bit distant. So I think it sounds great. I just want to give you a little heads up on that. I think you're going to love the material. And like I said, this is the first part of it. Listen, enjoy. I'll come back at the end, give you a few thoughts and tell you what we're going to do next week. The life we live and the way we live out and experience the gospel, the kingdom of God, and then invite people into that life to walk in the ways of Jesus with this, right? So they come to know the truth. Truth sets them free. We talked about that in some of our other training. Then the rings of relationship keep moving outward to more and more friends, our kids' friends, the, the neighbors that we've been you know, doing life with. They're going, oh, this is life-giving, and I got to get my sister into this. Or there's other neighbors that maybe are their people of peace, right? But, but what's key is that we live it first. And we invite others into it. That's why you know, we talk about the rings of relationship going out. And the rings of relationship do kind of go out from our family. But what we're really doing is we're inviting people into the family. We're inviting them into our family rhythms. And if we don't have a family worth imitating, then there's not really anything to invite them into. There's nothing, there's no way for them to see that spiritual freedom, the relational peace that happens from having a, a gospel family on mission. And that's super key, right? They need to experience, because very often, even as Christians, we're going like, I don't know that like when I just go to the church building and do a church service, that I'm experiencing a whole lot of spiritual freedom and then relational peace out there in my life. Sometimes it's the opposite. There's a lot of do to be, right? What you do equals who you are. A lot of sin management talking, coming out of sermons, a lot of behavioral modification that we leave with. Like, okay, so you heard the message, right? That's how Jesus lived. Now go do this. That's law, right? And so as we start to live the truth of the gospel and the grace and the kingdom life, right? Jesus said, like, when you pray, Ask the Father that on earth as it is in heaven. Now we get to experience that. And I feel like we yeah. do live that way. <laughs> I feel like we do. Now, something to think about. Um, there is, uh, you could be a family plus a mission, right? You can be a family, you know, like you can have your family. Let's say you're in leadership, right? Or part of the church. You can have your family. And then plus there could be mission out there. And yeah. so maybe occasionally you engage it. Go ahead. Yeah, but I think I think oftentimes, especially as professional servants of the Lord, as you know, pastors uh, and people who work at church professionally, oftentimes feel like they've got their family and then they've got their their job, their professional vocation, and the two don't mix. Right, they're kind of separate. And I and I've even heard big national leaders go, "No, you do your job." You order your day in life, and then you turn it off at five, and you, you go home, slam your doors, and, and don't let anybody boundaries, in. right? And it's like, and then what? Like, and so how are you making disciples? Well, we're not really okay. So that's kind of like having a, I have a family, very important. Plus, I have a mission, and maybe it's not vocational, but maybe you know what I mean. Maybe it's something else. Some people are like, well, I work at the you know recovery you know house or a food bank or whatever, but I don't really. My family's not part of it. So it's like a family. Plus, there's a mission. Now you could also be a family that is has a mission with a mission right like we're you and your family once in a while like maybe you go to another country you know you go over to you know mexico or uh guatemala or somewhere in africa or whatever it doesn't matter at some point and you go that's our mission it's, but then when you come home it's kind of like wasn't that great i wish we could live that way all the time yeah kind of like we were talking about everything else right and because yeah. it's a family business so to speak you know that it does leave us with a longing and it's, it's kind of like living half a life. Yeah. So. And so 
we don't want that either. We don't want a fam. We don't want to have our family. And then plus there's a mission out there and they're not connected. We'd also don't want to have a family that with a mission, like that we, we only engage in like as an event periodically, annually, every once a month or, you know, what we want to become is a family on mission, a family that's living on mission, believing their identity, that we are a family of missionary servants. That, I mean, that's true of the whole church, but let it start with us, right? We're a family of missionary servants who have now been sent to make more disciples of Jesus. We're disciples who've been sent, okay? And just like Jesus lived, you know, uh, and he's our master, right? Just like Jesus, we, got, we need to live our life, not just with the words, not just chapter and verse and ourselves and our kids and our pe other people, but our own family and mission is it needs to be at the center of everything we do. It really does. And so, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, daily, you know, we're all, tra we're training. This is what Pete and I do. We train and coach people how to live this way and how to make disciples and how to multiply out mission communities, plant churches this way, all that. If it's not happening in your family, it will not happen outside of your family because you talked about it, right? Mm -hmm. We, our lives need to mirror what we believe we say is true. Okay. And here, here's a hard truth. We'll never lead anyone, okay, another group of friends or believers or anyone else farther and deeper into relationship with God and mission than we lead our own family. You just yeah. won't. If you look at how your family's going, how much your family's living on mission, you'll never take your church further or your neighborhood group of pals further. You just won't. You won't. Unfortunately, too true. Yeah. Missional communities, as we use that term, really are just an extension of our own family and patterns and mission that we live on. Okay. Now I don't say this because, you know, living this way is like this new paradigm. And I want you to, I want you to get it right. This is the new thing. We've been doing it for like 15 years, but no, really this is the way the church functioned in scripture. It's all we really see in church. It's the way the original church functions. In fact, in the new Testament, okay. The Greek word oikos. Okay is used to refer to households. So whenever it referred to the church, it said the oikos that means it's so-and-so's household, the oikos in this city or village or whatever, right? Um, which were in essence, oikos, what it means is extended families that function together kind of like around a common purpose and mission. And that might include their jobs together and some of their staff and their closest friends and grandma lives there and my brother and his kids, you know, or we're all in proximity. But they also started realizing that, that now that they knew Christ, and Christ had come to this household, that they were going to together live on mission. They were going to notice, they were going to look, seek to make disciples of the other people that they just running into and, and, you know, rubbing elbows with, right? Like I said, it could be cousins, aunts, whatever. Okay. By the way, that's why when making disciples, proximity, proximity is really key. It's so super important. There's just no way to do this. There's no way to to be the family when you're not seeing people on a regular basis. And when you yeah. when you live really far from somebody, it's really difficult. I mean, I have a whole lot of family in Florida. I don't get to see them all that often, all that right? Often. Yeah. And so I can't really disciple them. You know, I see them every once in a while and I can share some wisdom and truth. You know, I can follow up with them, but I can't really disciple can, them. Can you imagine if you only got to see your own kids? I know some broken families, this is the case, and it's not ideal, right? Not planning. Imagine if you could only see your kids once a week for about, about an hour and a half, maybe 
and you sat together like, you know, in rows and you had to jam in everything to do with your family life in that once, that one time, maybe, maybe I'll see you next week. Right. It's like, we kind of use this kind of vernacular joking, like people who hang out with team K that's what we call our family. Right. Um, they'll say like, you guys are like blessed and look how your kids have turned out. And they seem to really love you, you know, and, they, and they've said this for years, praise God. And uh, imagine if they said, how'd you do this? Which they often ask, how'd you raise kids like this? Imagine if Tina said, oh, well, once a week for years, we would set up on Sunday morning, these rows of chairs in our living room. And then uh, Caesar would go up front with like a music stand kind of thing and some notes. And me and the kids would sit there in those chairs and um, we all had our favorite seats. <laughs> and then he would, he would talk for about 45 minutes or an hour, you know, from the Bible and stuff. And we would pretty much sit in silence and take notes. And then we'd say, see you next week, kids. Maybe we'll see you Wednesday. And really, the truth is, people, you know, we used to get together every week. But really, it's now it's 1.7 times a week. And we're having to live stream that because the kids won't come out of the room. Or How could you raise a family that way? It's kind of making an absurd point to say proximity. If you're, if you're going to live like a family on mission and then start to include others eventually, it, it, it's helpful. Otherwise, if they have to drive in for everything, everything has to be a meeting. There's only the organics, uh, the organized side, no organics. It's, it's going to be very hard. Because remember why? Discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in absolutely every year of life, which means just like your family on mission is interacting in every area of life. Think of all the areas. So are the people that you're going to do life with and those you can invite in. In the, in the perfect sense, right? Think about Jesus, right? How much time did he spend with his disciples? It was kind of all day, every day. Yeah, uh -huh, it was. And I did some math on this. I looked at like three, three and a half years is what historians in the Bible shows us Jesus spent with his disciples. And I look at how many waking hours and how much time he probably spent with them. And I did the math and it was an estimate would be about 30,000 hours Jesus spent with his disciples. All of life. Waking, sleeping, partying, hanging out, doing ministry, uh, get, traveling. You know, traveling, all that, healing people, like, get, oh, that didn't work, right? And then we look at, like, how many hours would the average church get with their people if they got together for a couple hours a week and then maybe a midweek? And then let's say they're a rock star church, so they did once a month, they did two-hour Saturday morning training. I, I did the math. It would take something like 280 years for the average church to get to what Jesus did in three and a half years. Now, obviously, I mean, that's just <laughs> to chew on. But our point is we have to do time with people and we need to give our lives to them just like we do in a family, a healthy family. And proximity is a big deal, okay? So um, I want to tell you a little bit about um, how our family and how this name of Team K kind of came to be because it's a big, it's a sweet spot for us. It's a big deal. Um, so uh, when our kids were young, um, they're all grown now, in case you don't know that. Our kids are all grown. Two of them are married and, and having babies. Our grandbabies have two each. And like I said, Tina was saying, Pat was just over last night. Mm -hmm. He's the oldest Lee grandson. So he's you know the most developed and taught and, and, and the most like grandpa. Because <laughs> he spent, okay, spent more time with me. Boy, was he loving on her last night. Um, and um, when the kids were young, I traveled quite a bit. And I was gone a lot for work, for ministry, different things. And you know, it wasn't for like months and months at a time, but I was gone a lot and come back and gone a lot and come back, right? And some of these times, the kids treated 
each other in ways that were the exact opposite of like they were on the same team. Yeah. Right. They acted as if they were like on opposing teams and they would do whatever it takes to see the other team lose <laughs> and be punished for it. Right. Battle and stuff like that. And as parents, Tina and I felt like we had to do something to help our kids like change that and get on the same page, sort of be part of the same team. And this, like I said, this was especially important when I traveled like through, sometimes it would be weeks, right? It'd be weeks. Um, we need the children to be much more of a cohesive unit. You know? Yeah, we needed to be pulling together, not you know. Apart. And I wanted to, I told them like, I, you know, son, I need you to like take care of your sisters. I, you know, I need you to help without trying to be in charge. And, and I need you all to help mom with whatever she asked for, right? Anyway, Team K was born, okay? Tina came up with this way to implant into our kids' heads and hearts, uh, our little band of Kalinowskis, this idea of Team K, right? You get it? Kalinowski, A. <laughs> we told the kids that they were part of something amazing, okay? Something important, right? And that we needed them to understand this and really start to live like a member of the team. And we even had uh, a little, oh, go grab the shirt with it. No, go grab it. Um, so um, we, even took, we even took them to the mall. Tina's going to go get a little prop for us. We forgot. Uh, we even took them to the mall and we had, this is back when you can get t-shirts made, but it wasn't like now. They they had to be airbrushed. So psh, they were airbrushed. They looked like the side of a hippie band back in the <laughs> 70s, 80s, which this was probably the early 80s and 90s, right? When we were starting to raise our baby. And we had Team K shirts made, okay? One for all of us, all in our matching sizes. You'll see that in a second. Okay. And we would all wear them occasionally at the dinner table or when it was time to do yard work or go out and serve the neighbors or whatever. Right. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. This is one of the originals. Okay. There's been new ones made, but this is one of the originals. Yeah. Well, I gotta, I gotta move my notes here real quick. Look at this. Oh <laughs> my goodness. And it's the original aqua blue. I wish you could tell this, this light's making it look like a nice blue. Yeah, it is kind nice. of an ugly teal color, maybe yeah. on the replay. I don't know. Right. Team K. This is vintage, <laughs> by the way. Our opening bid starts at uh, $100,000. <laughs> there's only five. still get these out with the kids every once in a while. Yeah, there's only five. So, anyway. so we wear them, you know, like I said, at dinner or maybe out. Or sometimes we go, hey, come on, kids. It's Team K time. You know, we're going to go out and shovel snow for the neighbor, like, you know, for Mrs. Show or whatever, right? And the kids got it. They were like, oh, Team K, right? Yeah, and it wasn't just like working times. It wasn't just serving times. It was sometimes when we just go out fun, have fun together, ride our bicycles and do a picnic. Yeah. Or well, it was like a rallying cry yeah. at our best. Let's yeah. be our best, right? And uh, within a few, you know, a few months in doing this, you know, the kids would be like more helpful and Tina could say, hey, Team K guys, right? We got to pick up toys or what, right? And as corny as it sounds, it worked. And Team K became the thing we used to identify ourselves at our best. It still is. Like we go like, well, listen, Team K, right? Like this Christmas, a lady Tina works with had some great needs. We don't know her all that well, but we prayed and really felt led to kind of help her with some bills and Christmas and all that, her and her kids and and uh, husband and all, and uh, out of work and all that. So we went to Team K and we said, hey, Team K. And this is extended, by the way. It's not just our bio at this point, right? Yeah. And we said, hey, here's the situation. Pray about it. Who wants to help as well? And guess what? Team K showed up in a really beautiful, cool way. And so we were able to you know, make their Christmas a little different, right? And so um, that also started to stick and people started referring to us as Team K. <laughs> yeah, right? 
and Maddie still do a lot. I mean, a lot of people, Tom, my whole family, they know that, right? And so right now I know you're wishing, yeah, I wish I was a part of Team K. <laughs> and you know what? You do. It would be an upgrade for you. <laughs> but you get to be, right? You get to be. Like the people we coach, we just tell them you're all part of Team K now. You know what? You're part of Team K. It's like we see you as family and we're going to do life and we want to call you to your best and all that. Okay? So it wasn't all that long, though, before this sort of team spirit was something that our friends and our kids' friends and, and our friends' friends coveted. And they, they started really wanting to get invited to Team K family dinners. It was like a big deal, <laughs> right? And we always had lots of food and fun and laughter and encouragement to go around. So it was no problem. And, and you knew everyone was happy to be Team K family dinner. Right. And we kind of have some rules. We even do teaching and training on family dinner nights and how we do them and how you make them fun and, and uh, all that. And these meals, okay, these meals that were, they were more than once on me. <laughs> they started happening all the time. Right. Um, along with other kind of Team K adventures and ritual and tradition that we started inviting people in were the beginning of a way of life for us in a way of starting to share or let me say, extend our life in the kingdom and the blessings and grace that God had poured into our family. Right. It became sort of the way we started seeing it. Remember we've said before in, our, in some of our other training, discipleship is sort of like a reparenting of the culture, a reparenting of people. We started saying, well, what if we just started sharing this good news life in the kingdom with more and more people? And our family life started to expand outward to include more and more people. Very naturally though, because we were living it. Like this is how our table was. This is how, when we did chores, it was. Literally we'd have people come over just to hang out with Team K to rake or pull weeds or whatever, knowing that we were gonna have some pizza later and food and maybe some cool beverages. And then afterwards we're gonna watch, you know, whatever catch up on this show or I rented this movie or what, right? Because yeah. we were family. It wasn't all programmatic. But it was all discipleship. You got to feel that. And it was all like the kingdom and God's grace sort of breaking in, in it through our family rhythms that we're going to do anyway. And we're inviting others into. Now, I know some of you are flipping out on this and you're, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about, you know, don't I get time with only? And we'll talk about that a lot. Don't <laughs> flip out too much. Okay. Okay. Our family life was expanding out into the community. You know, in essence, and it was beautiful. We didn't always know what was going on, but now we do. Um, our family life was extending God's family life, right? See how our identity flows into this? We started to believe we were God's family, and then we started seeing everybody else's God's family, <laughs> right? And, and trusting him for how to interact with them and who to invite him and all to do all that, right? Right? Now, that's God's original hope and intention for people. For all people, it really is that their lives and their families would show the world what he's really like, right? That's why we've been given families. That's why we've been given marriages and kids. Yeah. Our family actually becomes a kingdom outpost. It's a place where the kingdom of God is good. now. It's, it's now and not yet, but it is now. And people can start to taste and see what the kingdom, what the kingdom is like. Sorry, I get a little choked up. Yeah. Um, but it is beautiful and it's, it's so beautiful. fun. And there again, these rhythms of our life, what we love to do, what we're doing are just extending outward. So it doesn't feel like this burden, you know, I don't know. Right now, as we've grown in our gospel fluency, the ability to, to speak and 
and see and enjoy the gospel and speak to others in every all area of life. Wow, that just accelerated people's spiritual yes. freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 understanding and moving from unbelief to belief. Mm-hmm. This is how it's happened, and this is how we now still do it, right? Okay, okay. Now we're going to tell you a little bit more about the Team K story uh, tomorrow. Okay, there is a phenomenal kind of like teary-eyed amazing sort of way we like to wrap that story up and it'll be tomorrow okay but for right now let me so don't miss this okay and we got a lot more teaching and family and mission but looking back at how our life as team k naturally began to pull others into our family's rhythms i'm reminded really how similar now life as a missional community or life as an oikos or you know a, a community on mission is to that and really, we realize that's the same. So even when we move to a new neighborhood, what do we do? We start sending the family rhythms outwards to more and more people. And some of them are believers and some are not yet believers, but we're discipling everyone from unbelief to belief. And some people are being discipled to trusting Jesus, even with, you know, in more and more of their life and even with their salvation and all of that, of course, right? But you see how that's how it goes. So it doesn't seem like, oh boy, here we go. Got to start, you know, it's a bunch of series of, it's our life. It's the life God has now lived with us. And guess what? Our kids are grown and none of them live here full-time in our house anymore. But good news is they're all in proximity. You know, some of them like 10 minutes away. Uh, Our oldest is an hour away, so we don't see them as regularly. That's tough sled, right? Mm -hmm. But they're still very much a part of the Oikos and part of Team K. And they're constantly still bringing friends over. Even our son and an hour away. They're still like, hey, listen, we're coming over this weekend and I invited these families over because... They just need to meet you guys. And he's had a hard time with work. His pops just died. It, it, it's still the same life, right? It's still extending out. Okay. And like I said, start to think of making disciples and sharing out your family life as a reparenting of people, reparenting the culture. Because people need to, people need to like see and experience life in God's family. They need to experience life in a family where God's their daddy and Jesus is their brother and, and, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and guides us to truth and light and forgiveness and, 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 and repentance. And so, you know, right? This is, this is what's happening. People need to see and taste this. And so this is why living as a family on mission is so key because otherwise, what are we inviting people to? Like Tina said early on, are we living lives worth imitating are we a family worth imitating let, let me challenge you um elders pastors leaders what's most of you okay you're gonna hear this uh, watching this right now let me ask you if if a young couple comes into your church community or whatever somehow and they're like we really want to learn how to make disciples like we we're so into discipleship and we want to learn how to make disciples would the would the natural response be like oh we'll just go hang out with these elders like go, maybe, you know, you just moved into the air and maybe you could live with them for like a year or so. Like, who knows, right? Or maybe just really start hanging out with their family, move into that neighborhood, you know? But if you hang out with them or, hey, get next to the pastor and his wife and kids. Like, like they live on mission. They will, Their lifestyle is just discipleship, right? So would that be true? Could you say that? Like the number one way we make disciples is like our elders lead us in that. So you think about it. Wouldn't it be crazy to say... These are the people in charge of God's family here, this local family, the elders and the pastors. How many of them are modeling a lifestyle discipleship? Mm-hmm. 
No, not so much. But boy, that guy can preach. They're really good with the finances. Yeah, but discipleship's the only mission of the church. Yeah, well, see, see what I'm saying? I'm not going to push too hard on that. But for those who have the title of pastor or elder, we don't have families worth imitating. If people could not just hang out with us and see the kingdom come and learn how to make disciples in everyday life and reproduce that, well, then start here. Start living as a family on mission, okay? See, because often the Calvary's kids have no shoes. <laughs> we need to lead our families on mission as a model for the rest of our church. We really do. We get to, okay? We get to. And a needy world is waiting, okay? Now, start to wrap this up. Um, as we started living this way, okay, as we started living this way, um, there was a bunch of stuff that had to be addressed in our life because we were kind of living our life and our schedule. And this is tough in ministry full time. Okay. Um, and our calendar and our vacation and our holidays and all that. And there was a bunch of stuff that needed to be sort of placed on the altar, if you will. And there's given to God to reshape and to use as he chooses. That is some of my favorite things to teach. I love getting to teach with Tina and I, can you hear her heart? Don't you just love her heart? Wow. Um, she's the real deal. I married up. I'll tell you, I really, really did. And I, I hope that gives you some thought, you know, and maybe even some practical ideas on how to start re-perspectiving and re-intentionalizing some of your own family life and just how important it really is when it comes to making disciples. I, I promise you there are people out there. there doesn't matter where you live, what age and stage of life you are, married or single, you can create a family and live as a family and start having people join you in that. There are people waiting for you, regardless of what age and stage of life you're in, where you live. There are people waiting and dying for a place at the table, a place at dad's table, right? Our father's table that he's given us to share with others. Hey, as always, before I go much further, I want to give you the big three for today's episode. These are the big three takeaways that, you know, as always, if nothing else, don't miss these. And I'll be happy to send you a printable PDF of these big three right to your email address, right to you. If you just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Okay. We do that every week. That's always available. Here's the big three for this week. Okay. First thing is remember your family is your first mission field for making disciples. And are you bringing a level of intentionality to your family life, especially in the area of discipleship and spiritual growth that you want to, that you hope to? you'll rarely, if ever, find a group of people more important and that you'll have more opportunity to make a great spiritual impact on now and in the future. Okay, second, your family was given to you and exists as a kingdom outpost. The greatest picture of the gospel and what the kingdom of God is really like can be learned and displayed through our marriage and families. When others see your love, friendships, your fun, your fighting, forgiveness, grace, it becomes very attractive to them. And that's because they were created to experience God's love in those same ways. Pretty big, huh? And third, when looking at your own family life and rhythms, are there often others included? Would people wanting to know how to follow Jesus and live life fully in the kingdom of God be able to hang out with you and learn this gospel-saturated lifestyle? 
if you think you have room for growth in this, and, and we all do, please don't hope that things will somehow accidentally change. Get equipped. Start walking with others who have lives and families worth imitating and learn from them. And we'd be happy to help you as well. As always, Tina and I are coaching people. And if you have any interest in being coached by us, please check out everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Check that out. On that page, there's all kinds of information. You can get a hold of us through there. And we would love to be able to walk with you. Now, as you heard, we're going to talk about this next part two. We're going to kind of share the rest of the Team K story. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we had to lay down, some of the things that God called us to go, you're going to have to let go of this if you're going to include more and more people in your life. Some of our preferences, some of our fears, uh, some of worrying about what people, other people thought and all of that. Anyway, I think you're going to love part two. That's going to come out next week. You're going to love it. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.